The landline is back in Greg's house. Right. The yeah. landline is back during Mount Greg Moore. I don't a know who that segment was. about 60s show with a landline <laughs> ringing in it. This segment would sound good in the 90s. Wish we could have yeah. done it. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here to say farewell to the Miami Dolphins 2020 season because that thing that happened in Buffalo, it was the first time ever that a team ranked number one on defense had allowed 50 points or more in a game. The first time ever. The only positive for the Dolphins was Ryan Fitzpatrick's positive test for COVID. I was like, what was positive? That was a good yes. joke. Because I was about it, to be like, what was positive for that? And then it was, and, and you know what? That that was the bellwether for the week. That was the, the dark harbinger of what was to come, was when super backup safety net Ryan Fitzbeardrick tested positive for COVID and missed that game. Because, man, might that have been another game where they uh, – where they give uh, two of the big hook. It was just, um, you know, what I wrote in my column in the Herald is that, look, there's going to be a time when we can step back and appreciate all the progress that they made. There's going to be a time when we can say, hey, you know what? Tua did a lot of good things as a, as a rookie. But, man, right now, <laughs> now's not the time because the way that season ended for Miami was just pretty embarrassing, I thought. I just think that... When you, when you just think about where we were today, don't worry about what Tua looked like all season. Don't worry about any of the drama, any of the back and forth, the starting, the benching, any of it. You just think about today when that second half was starting and you were saying to yourself, man, I wish we had Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. And like, that's where the doll, like regardless of how we got there or what you think Tua looked like, that's what you were saying to yourself as a Dolphins fan yeah. today. And that is just not a good spot. And I'm, I'm not punting on Tua. Like, this is not the good riddance, but this was a shitty feeling today of looking in the mirror and saying, man, if we had Ryan Fitzpatrick, we, I think we might have a shot in the second half. I don't think he's the difference in a 30-point in a game, but your point's well taken. I thought the biggest disappointment today or, or Sunday was not Tua. It was the defense. Oh, the defense was terrible, for sure. I mean, aside from Xavier Howard having his league-leading 10th interception, that one little highlight was surrounded by a, a bleep show from start to finish on defense. The Bills are also good. Like, that well, should really just be good. said. That should just be said. Like, Josh Allen is a lot better than people thought he was. Blah, 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 all that jazz. I still don't want to talk to anybody. Don't look at me. <laughs> yeah, there's the other disappointment. If you're a Dolphin fan right now, sort of trying to put a happy face on this, it's that, Jesus, you finally survive the Brady Patriots dynasty only to be smacked in the face by a young rising star quarterback in Josh Allen, who's going to be really good for the next 10 years. So all you can do is hope that Tua rises to that level. One good thing is that when we're recording this, the Titans are beating the Texans. So it's looking like you're going to have the third pick. That's a good thing. Are we going to do, we we have plenty of time to do the whole, like, yeah. 
because I, I was I did a video on Twitter of where I, I recorded my phone of me looking at the box score, seeing to his box score and then following Justin Fields on Twitter. Like I did that. <laughs> like I, I think people now are going to maybe think I'm out on Tua because I did that. I was just like messing around. But like we have time to do that show. Like we don't need to address right. that conversation of like what the Dolphins are going to do with that third pick. Yeah. Yeah. N- no doubt. I mean, I, Plain, don't do like, it don't, don't do it right now i said we have time to do that okay. show do not give an opinion on that okay I'm, I'm i'm going to give this opinion it's way too soon to give up on Tua. other than that oh, you just gave an opinion on it now we I can't know, talk I, about it next episode i think we can because maybe i'll change my mind you never know nice but um hey we got a great uh, by the way once again, we've begun a podcast with. Yeah, what show? Introducing the, it's because we were it's, we were we were doing a bit. You like we had sad music. Where were we? Were we at a funeral? We were at a funeral. Yeah, it was a funeral for the for the dolphins. We had pallbearers and everything. I mean, we at great expense. We uh, made it seem like a we funeral. We just had a song. That's all we had. Like, well, it's someone who's uh, well, produce it. We just had a song. Welcome to the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and Chris Cody. We have a beautiful show for you today. Uh, and and at, the, at the top of the parade, on top of the marquee, ESPN superstar Sarah Spain is in the house today. Nice. And she talks about New Year's parties and, uh, you know, pandemic parties, of course. And uh, not just that, though. She talks about her most epic New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. And we talk about the Levitard show a lot in a big week for Imagine the that. show. Yeah, right. Imagine that. It's, I don't think we've so, ever. I know, I know we're in the new year now, but it's just, it's, it's Greg Cody giving back to the people. It has nothing to do with the downloads that it might attract. Right. It's right. just, he wants to appreciate this show for everything that it's done for him yes. in his career. Yes. Thank you. I'm a giving person. And also, we may or may not have the brand new installment of Mount Gregmore later. But first. I mean, aren't we definitely doing that? Like, why are you teasing it? Like, we might not do it. Yeah, you know. We're teasing it. Yeah, but first. So, so you got like three people that are sticking around. Like they were going to tune out on this episode, but they're like, you know what? I got to find out whether Mount Gregmore is done at the end of this episode. Zagaki. That's a hell of a job by you. You're uh, learning. Thank you. I am learning. But first, we have an audio treat coming up right now. Say what it is, Christopher. <laughs> um, an audio treat. I was trying to do my game where I combine the words. I eat. I was going to say that doesn't really work. Yeah, an audio <laughs> treat. Um, it's a listener, one of the, one of the heavy hitters from the Lebitard show music, um, creators. There's, you know, I don't, I don't want to recite names cause I'll forget somebody, but this is one of the heavy hitters, Yeti Blanc. He was a multi-time this past year, Sui nominee. He did not win his boy, Andrew Streeter won the Sui. And I know that their friendship has kind of, uh, split the scene <laughs> since then. It, it hasn't been reported about, but I'm reporting it. And, um, so yeah, we have him. He, he made a song. It's about you. And he's feeling nostalgic with all this Levitard show stuff. So he just kind of handed it over. Like, I'd love for you to play this anywhere. And of course, Greg Cody was like, I will take that, of course, and eat up three minutes on my podcast. I think it's very good. And you beat the judge. Here it is. For Dan, it's never clear. Am I prepared? It's never certain. And now the end is near Every breath could be my final curtain I know I promised more But it's hard to bring one every Tuesday I'm Greg 
And that's how it was back in my day. And yes, I've done a few, but as of late, too few to mention. I did road trips and cartoons, potato chips and sandwiches, and disappearing cars that once sailed down open highways. Yes, I'm Greg, and that's how it was back in my day. I did simpler times and vaping for you. I covered Fortnite and gift wrapping too. I did my best work when there was doubt. Take your fancy soap and throw it out again. I'm Greg and that's how it was back in my day. I've loved, laughed and The primeval time we're losing And now as tears subside I still find myself quite amusing Food trucks, I've done it all I'm still doing commerce the old school way Because I'm Greg and that's how it was Back in my day Oh, now what more? What more could Dan want? I've done vending machines, hotel robots Two nanos cookbooks I will appeal I like the way my dumb mattress feels Yes, I am Greg I will say, of all the people that have created songs with the Levitard show, he might have the deepest catalog. Yes, back in my day. He might not have the suey, he might have the hardware, but he's got a, a, a solid catalog. Yeti, thank you so much for that. He's so good, man. He really is. I mean, it's it's professional. I mean, I don't know. He must he, have like he, a, the quality a of song, the, the, the quality of songs that him and a couple other listeners make is so much better than the quality that we make when we make. Right. Songs. Oh, I know. Kind of embarrassing, but it's just really impressive. Right. Exactly. It's it's like, what did I do to deserve that? You know, that's what I'm thinking as I'm as I'm listening. Um, OK, as we transition moving forward on the pod, uh, really happy to have this person on. Uh, she's an ESPN star, big Levitard show presence over the years. And here's Sarah Spain. Hello. What's happening? It looks like you're in a locker room. Those uh, the purple <laughs> things on 
either side of you, right? It's Doesn't like, it look soundproof, like you're in a soundproof yes. radio. That's what that looks like. In my home radio closet, but I can see it looking like uh, purple lockers. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. It's like you're getting ready for the second half or something. Yeah. Uh, hey, um, thrilled to have on with us today, uh, Sarah Spain, ESPN radio host, writer, TV personality, and, and all that stuff. Um, co-host of Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, weeknights 7 to 9 Eastern. And also, uh, of course, the That's What She Said podcast, which I love uh, every week because the, Sarah, your interviewing is terrific uh, and, and it, it's really wonderful. And the episode uh, that you did last uh, centered on the Levitard show, and I thought it was terrific. I'm wondering how terrific you would have thought the interview was if you weren't involved in it. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, like I would have uh, would have been missing a little something if Greg Cody hadn't been invited. Right. I would have shunned it and uh, Sarah would not be on right now. But it uh, was missing something because I forgot to ask Bo. And when I remembered, I, like I was going through old pods and like Angel Resto illustrations of Levitard show like Last Supper's. And thinking, okay, I think I got all these people. And I just, I had so many deadlines for different things that I blanked. Uh, and I texted Bo last night. Oh my God, I'm the worst. Like, you're my favorite. Yeah. I'm so bummed you would have crushed it. So I'm going to walk into the ocean for that one. And I'm going to accept a $50 fine because I, I killed <laughs> Yeah, although um, I, I thought it was erudite enough with Bo, uh, without Bo uh, swooping in with his basso profundo voice. But <laughs> we're doing this, we're taping this on New Year's Eve. It's actually... Yeah, this it's eleven thirty. This is it. <laughs> We're gonna do a countdown together. <laughs> That's right. The ball is dropping. It, it's now about uh, you know twelve hours away. Um, anybody who follows you on social media, you're a social person, which interests me because um, you know I'm pathologically antisocial, uh, <laughs> and, and not just in a pandemic, but generally. Uh, but but you're a social person, and I'm wondering, has it been tougher? Uh, for you than for most, do you think, to navigate the pandemic? And uh, how do you deal with all that? It's been easier on my liver uh, because <laughs> I, I'm absolutely a social drinker. Like I, I do occasionally sit at home and have wine and stuff, but like all my social endeavors involving alcohol have been shut down. So it's been easier on my liver. Um, you know, I've found some creative ways to still um, get to try to see friends either via Zooms or we had socially distanced dinners in our backyard. We were really thankful to have outdoor space during all this more so than we've ever been before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the toughest part for me is just I'm a I'm a total control freak freak planner. I'm sort of the social planner for our group. And we we do thankfully have a really big group of friends here in Chicago that I like to organize parties and, and costume things and going out on a boat and going to a barbecue and seeing a concert. And so like being stripped of my ability to plan. And then also I like looking forward to things. And so the inability to have control over what I could plan and what we might be able to do was probably the toughest, but yeah, it's, it's been, um, it's been unique. My husband threw me a surprise birthday party with a sign up website in shifts so that there would never be more than a certain number of people at the house. And it was only Yeah. It was really impressive. He did it a full month ahead of my birthday. Cause he was like, she's always on top of everything. Like she's gonna <laughs> see coming. Um, and so we never had more than 10 people. It was all outside. Um, like I was really impressed at the level of organization and this was, this was July. So um, it was even before things got significantly worse. So it was, it was a little more comfortable, but I'm actually, Greg, you guys are all invited. Everyone listening to this is invited. Whenever we are in 
presumably and hopefully some point in 2021, but it might be 2022, fully out of the woods where we're not wearing masks and we can do whatever we normally would. I'm going to throw an all day party and each location is going to be for a different holiday that we didn't get to celebrate correctly. So <laughs> yes. Gets, wow. Fourth of July will be like a barbecue somewhere and we'll have all the regalia and then we'll move to another location and it's going to be, you know, St. Patrick's day. And then another one's going to be Thanksgiving with a full meal. And we're going to have costumes for all of them and different drinks and locations. It's going to be incredible. I don't that's, know when it's going to happen, but that's you guys so funny. Cause my next question was going to be, you must have the biggest blowout planned for all over. Well, I always have huge birthday parties. And so this year I had gotten all the way up to the point of planning where I hadn't put the deposit down yet, but I'd already picked. So it's going to be um, 1970s Studio 54 disco roller skating party. So I was renting out a roller rink and everyone is going to be glam, not cheesy 70s, like glam Studio 54, gold LeMay roller skating. And I'd take a party bus to the rink rent it out for a couple hours and then go have another after party, like dance party somewhere. Um, and I thankfully didn't actually put any money down in the deposit before everything shut down. Uh, so I have to make up that part. I have a lot of parties. Yeah, <laughs> you really do. I, I, I need first yeah. my dad to paint the picture of the last time he was on roller skates. Like I need, I just need <laughs> every visual aspect of what was going on there. Yeah. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who roller skates uh, next to the, the wall of the rink. I, I like inch my way around <laughs> The oval. You didn't uh, never, crush it in the eighties at the roller rink. Like I, I picture you like smoking a little weed and then like hitting the roller rink. Yeah, like that combination goes together. <laughs> um, no, uh, I've tried ice skating. I've tried roller skating. I just don't have the aptitude for that. I like being on solid ground. You know, on my feet on the ground. So. Did you try Studio Fifty Four? Uh, no, I'm. Uh, I don't think even I'm old <laughs> enough to have uh, really partaken of that. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, Okay. Uh, Sarah, I did want to ask you. Um, Wait, hold on, hold on. I want to know about her wildest New Year's Eve. I assume you've partied with Jordan or something on New yeah, Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. No, well, see, that's the worst part of it is New Year's is my lamest holiday usually because I have so many Christmas traditions that usually we get to New Year's and we're like, shit, we forgot to plan something again. And so, in fact, last year on New Year's, I put three reminders in my phone in June, July, and August that said, <laughs> plan New Year's trip, Bali question mark there you go so my plan was to like we were gonna blow it out this year and leave like on christmas or the day after go to bali or uh, mexico or like somewhere awesome australia like just crush it and then when that first one popped up in june i was like you know what f you calendar <laughs> like this is the worst time um no i mean i went to vegas one year in college with my friend and a couple other guys from cornell were out there and like it was we called them on a payphone. <laughs> date myself we had like cell phones but you still use pay phones we called their room and we were like hey what are you guys up to like we're still out wanted to see what you were doing and they were like it's 7 45 a.m and we're yes. like oh. <laughs> so yeah vegas yeah. uh you know that that tends to happen um mm -hmm. you know one year i had to grab my friend's dog at 11 58 because i looked around the room and realized i would yet again be the only person not kissing someone so i made sure the dog <laughs> was in my hand so i could be like ha ha <laughs> kiss this dog <laughs> welcome to the new year i'm alone um yeah so new year's is i mean when i lived in la it was it was kind of fun to like go to a club because la clubs are actually fun kind of like miami right but like in chicago yeah. thankfully kind of there isn't really a club scene that's 
really cool. It's pretty lame. Like Chicago's not. New Year's is also isn't New Year's kind of for rookies too. It, like like spend a ton of money. I went to yeah. New York one year with my college friends, and you had to pay this crazy cover, and it's crowded, and you can't hear anything. We faked that my friend was going to puke so that we could skip a giant bathroom line. Um, <laughs> like, we pretend to cover her mouth, and I was like, oh, my God, she's going to go. She's going to go and, like, push past everyone. And then Excellent. we weren't even, we weren't even like, nice enough to leave and be like, thank you guys so much. We walked out like this. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Such- that is a heady play. <laughs> See, a lot of times, like the women will just like walk in the guys' bath. You ever yeah. been at like these like concert places? Yeah. And it's I've done that. Many- the bathroom, I've yeah, the bathroom, bathroom gets a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> most of the time intentionally, occasionally, accidentally, where I'll look and be like, nah. "No, that's a year." <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah, New Year's, New Year's uh, has not been. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I've had some good times, but. I got to work on that. So I'm going to put it in my calendar for, for this summer to yes. make sure I, <laughs> just so that next year when yeah. we're wearing masks and we're still stuck in our homes, I can once again be deeply disappointed when it pops up. Sarah, the um, that's what she said podcast devoted like an hour and a half, I think, to the Levitard show. And it was fascinating to listen to because it's sort of like um, a, a living funeral in a way. They're not They're not dying. They're just leaving ESPN and they're going to return somewhere but yet there is a a, a solemnness to uh to them leaving espn and, and this big change i'm a part of the show barely you know once a week uh but it seems to me the the catchphrase you don't get the show really embodies almost like a a cult or a a closed society <laughs> that this show has no it really is i mean i it's true i can't i can't explain it uh, sarah how would you explain the just the phenomenal sense of community and family that they've been able to grow over the years. So I think the biggest reason for that is that unlike most radio shows, it's episodic. So if you listen to any other radio show, for the most part, there are some other ones that kind of get this vibe too, but almost all um, the traditional format is if you missed three days and you come back, then they're talking about the sports news of the day. And maybe they reference an interview from earlier in the week or something that came up and and you kind of wonder what was that. But for the most part, you're right back on track with everything they're talking about and saying because of the sort of gears behind the scenes at Levitard Show Stugatz and the number of repeating clips and pieces of sound and old songs from years ago. And because of the duration of time that the group has spent together. Um, you can kind of get lost if you take too much time off. And so it creates this desire and need to be with the show every day or at least catch up. I I never listen to a new show without first catching up if I'm behind, Um, which is tough sometimes when I get busy and I'll be behind and I'll be like texting Mike Ryan something like I'm super late and it'll be like five days later. I'll be like, this was awesome. Um, But uh I think that that's the biggest thing is there's so many inside jokes. I remember I somehow missed the beginning of Splash and I still get annoyed by not really getting it, even though I've been told there's nothing really to get. But like, because I missed the very first time, I'm like, God, Splash again. Um, Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of it. And listen, with this whole bit that Dan's doing right now, making fun of the Hilaria Baldwin stuff, which is amazing and so funny, but it also is a perfect example of Dan and the show being totally comfortable if people just don't get it. And I am not comfortable yeah. with that. I, <laughs> it makes me so uncomfortable. And it's not that I don't get the joke and it's not that I don't, I think I have a good sense of humor. I think it's that 
and I tried to talk about this on the podcast and it's hard to explain, but I don't like being misunderstood mainly because as, as a woman in this business, when I make a joke and it's really funny and it's based on sports knowledge, half of the people in my mentions are correcting what I don't know about sports instead of getting, <laughs> because they assume that I don't know enough to set up the, the premise for the joke I just made. And so that's really frustrating, especially for someone that, again, humor is subjective. So if you don't find me funny, that's really fine. But for most of my life, I have been someone that other people has told that I was funny and I went to second city and I care about comedy. And so like the idea that, and I, that's why I should be able to just, ha, who cares if you don't get it? And instead I'm like, no, this is okay. Here's the information that I understand, which is the premise for the joke that I made. And let me explain to you. And then, oh, okay, I get it. I'm like, why do I care? I don't know these people. Um, but the fact that Dan doesn't care and the show doesn't care and they're going to plow right through and they're going to leave half the people listening, not half, a quarter of the people listening in the dust. And they don't care if those people don't get it. And they don't care if they hate them for it. And they don't care if they think that they're frauds who have pretended to be Cuban for like right. a day. Like, I could never do that. It would eat at my soul. I hate that, like people. So, but that's the beauty of it is they, they, they're willing to do the sort of over the top Andy Kaufman, long-term prank, long-term bit, the stuff that was on some of the local hour and Suey this year that was just these long plays that if somebody didn't get Shane Bacalata. They just were so angry about him continuing to come on. Uh, my like, DMs are so interesting after that. Like, like oh <laughs> people God. freaking out. This dude, what? The? Yeah. Like, He's such a hypocrite. And you're like, yeah, that's the joke. Um, just always like throw my hand. I give him that emoji. Like, I don't yeah. Know. yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's wild. I don't know why we keep having him on. But yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is it's incredibly layered, right? So like whatever Dan's talking about is not only a reference to that thing, but like goes three layers deep, maybe to something he's annoyed with at, at ESPN or with Stu Gatz or with the larger realm of sports and all those different layers um, make it so much richer. And so you don't want to miss out and then not be up with it. And I think that's what creates this feeling. It's, it's like I said, with uh, Pablo's memories all involving eating uh pig's feet or dressing like an orca he kind of sounded like a pow who like eventually has Stockholm syndrome and like feels really connected to the torturers i think a lot of the people as a part of the show like because there's that shared experience of of going through all of it and and you get it you get this joke and you're you're the person i can make this joke to um or like izzy said he's constantly repeating things that you've said and right. people don't i do that a lot with the show and people have no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> i'll just say something and then i'll be like it's a thing from a show <laughs> help myself and my brain will just do it and then i'll be like oh no one got that and i think that's probably what creates to the community too like the the reddit and the the people the lower after hours podcast yeah. like want to get around other people who know what they're talking about which might not be their friends and family right so right. they find other people that they can connect to that was a very long-winded answer but as you know I, i'm loquacious yeah. so uh, likely to do that okay. no i i like long-winded answers because it makes it easy for me i yeah, just sit, i just sit back and absolutely. listen and it's cool yeah. um but yeah that's why uh that's why i refer to the the following of, of his show as almost a cult because there isn't us against them quality to you know you're either in or you aren't you either get it or you don't and that's part of uh what fascinates fascinates it about me 
Uh, I, I was actually, are, are you staying on Levitard? She said something about Second City, and I just wanted to, I have a question about that. Like, a lot of people from SNL started at Second City. Like, that's like a legit, like, improv-type place. And I'm just wondering, doing what you do nowadays, like, what's the thing that you took from that the most? Actually, for interviewing, I think. Um, because the whole point of improv is you have to listen. Because if you miss something and you ruin the scene because they've already said you're in Paris and now you're saying you're in Spain or they already mm -hmm. said what job they did and you gave them a new one. Like that immediately ruins the experience for the audience. Mm -hmm. And the most impressive part of a great improv group is putting together a show where they've all buried the little piece of information from earlier and it comes back later and they create a world out of nothing and the audience is along for the ride and they're like, wow, that's so impressive that they just did that, right? And that's why bad improv sucks so bad is because <laughs> right. the wow, they totally screwed that up. But, um, yes. and that's such an important part of interviewing, especially like moderating panels, which I do a lot. And I take great pride in, in being able to weave in and out of people is you can't just be like, okay, I have my next question in my head. So you just said something really important and I moved on and everyone listening was like, wait, yeah. ask about that. But in your head, you were like, okay, cool. They did, they stopped talking. Now it's me again. Yes. Um, so I think that's the biggest part of improv. And then also, you know, my first job, when I moved from LA back to Chicago, I wanted to cover my teams and I was getting auditions in LA for sports stuff, but I kept missing out on jobs. And oftentimes it was to like super hot chicks in like clubbing dresses with like fake boobs that like just really sold the vibe that they yeah. were going for in LA. And in Chicago, I knew you needed to like know your stuff. And if you didn't care about the teams and know about the teams, no one in Chicago would suffer fools for that. Cause we care too much about our sports because we're cold all the time and we need our sports. So when I got back to Chicago, the first job I got and the first on-camera gig I got was a startup website called Mouthpiece Sports. And I literally went to them and pitched to them, I'm going to bring my improv sensibilities yeah. to interviews instead of just doing a straight interview with the players. And so, you know, I did one after Carlos Zambrano destroyed the Gatorade cooler with yes. his bat. I went in the locker room and interviewed all the Cubs about the Gatorade cooler going on the IR. What were they <laughs> For their hydration needs and why is that guy kind of always in the wrong place at the wrong time and like what's the time i interviewed the the guy who happened to show up to repair it and asked him like what's the what's the timetable on his yeah. return how serious That's is really the injury good. um you know i i went to peanut tillman's charity flag football event and instead of interviewing about like you know how nice is it that your teammates came out to support the cause i mic'd myself up and had him throw me passes as if i was trying out to be part of the bears wide receiver core, which at the time Devin Hester was the number one receiver. This was yet another time when somebody tried to take Devin Hester and turn him into something other than just a really fast dude who would return kicks. Uh. So, and, and I told him just make fun of me. And so he's just ripping on my form and my running ability. And, um, and so I took all the improv sensibilities of how do I flip what this would normally be on its head and come in with a different, like, view of it um and it was actually really like that was my big break in chicago was i got all these athletes to open up and be funny and all the message boards i would go on and try to say hey come i'm doing this content if you guys like this team you should you'd like this and then they did and oh ask them this or do this and so it was a connection for fans to athletes that they were kind of like wanting more than just the usual why do you think your line's been great at killing power plays you know that kind yeah. of thing right that's so interesting because like i feel like our show is a lot of times gets into improv where it's like we end up talking about some random thing where it's like just say yes go along billy just uh, uh suggested a ridiculous premise but hell yeah, yeah. we should do that so it's like One that and yes. listening like nothing takes the air out of a segment more than dan's like i just said that 
Like I think got- I, I think I have this like crushed line and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be yeah. so funny. They haven't thought about this yet. And it's like, yeah. Dan's like, yeah, I just said that. And it's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I wanna crawl into a hole when that happens. It's like the worst feeling. Well, and that's what I was saying too, is like, I have this improv background and I really consider myself someone who's very like quick witted and can keep up and I'll be listening to the show or even be on it and be like, Oh my God, I can't keep up. These guys are so good at this. And that's like the most impressive part of the show to me is how well you guys play and how well you listen and say yes and build. And all of you that all, I mean, occasionally, yeah, occasionally there's a clunker and some can't keep up, but for the most part, it's this really impressive, like I said, like keeping the balloon in the air. Um, And, and that's why, it's hard to explain. And some of it is bodies. Like you need enough bodies and enough people with different brains and experiences and memories for some of those things to stay up because you need enough people chiming in Mm -hmm. with another memory or another thing, but some other shows will try to do it. And you have literally like what you call like scheduled fun. Like, let's just do some fun at eight 15 and then like get there. And then you're like, all right, well, there's just two of us. And we thought this was going to last longer and the segment died, but we didn't plan for anything else. And there's no one to save us. And we don't have any old sound bites or like, you know, we don't have any like, like, or like, we have no sound effects. We have no sound bites. We have no music. We have no one to save us. (laughs) And this doesn't work. This This is fun, right? Fun segment. (laughs) Well, especially Izzy and I, when Izzy and I had a show together, we both loved the Levitard show so much that with Izzy in Spain, we were like, yeah, let's, you know, we'll just do it like that. And then we'd be sitting there like, shit this is hard yeah right you're like mike ryan mike yeah where's mike where's billy (laughs) Billy, tell a story for eight minutes (laughs) yeah i couldn't do a single segment uh on my own i would have like a big legal pad with things to say and you know it's just the free form maybe sarah and i'll just like sit out the rest of this way go ahead go ahead just no the extemporaneous uh quality of that show is astounding every time because it's it's not planned you know it's just everything and, and you go, you mentioned the, uh, the clunker occasionally, even the clunker can turn in to an avenue that's funny, you know? So no matter what you say, Levitard's so good that uh, unless he's in a really pissed mood, he's going to turn it into something funny. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. I mean, the show can also get over itself a little bit, right? I feel like this, this has been <laughs> like with Sarah's episode and this thing, I mean, the show is just getting I mean, like- you When you run out of money and don't have anywhere to go. That's true. It is- uh, a subject of sociological probing, which is a little weird for a radio show, but uh, nevertheless, Sarah, I want to let you go. But first uh, you mentioned second city. Didn't Eugene Levy start at second city or no? So he's Canadian. um, And I want to say they started um, up there first. Um, But you know what? You might be right. Cause I know that they, he and Catherine O'Hara and all them did SCTV. Like that was one of the big first, um, first breaks um which was again a canadian dad solid transition to you to uh schitt's creek by like quizzing her on <laughs> eugene levy and like yeah really like you know just yes it was actually making so it her wasn't do just... like research and like look something up yeah. like way to it keep it smooth greg that was not your fault sarah that was my dad transitioning <laughs> to your morning <laughs> rose by just yeah like, quizzing i thought you it was pretty subtle I thought it was well, subtle, but I guess it, it was wasn't. a quiz. But now I have new information that he was not just he did not just get his big break on Second City TV, SCTV, but also the Toronto outpost of Second City was where he was, which is how he was discovered for that. So that all makes sense. Uh, but I'd never uh, read about it before. Thank you so much for the edification. Yeah, no problem yeah, at all. Uh, I'm actually thrilled you're a Schitt's Creek fan because <laughs> I adore that show. 
Um, I, I'm I'm gonna go back and watch the season because I, I can't believe it's I'm not start all over. For- what do you like about it? Um, I've noticed recently, especially during quarantine, the shows I like the most are really funny and quirky, but they have a lot of heart because I need that. I, I'm not watching anything with murders and yeah. sadness right now. I'm either watching move, things I've already seen that bring me comfort, like Gilmore Girls that I started over again, or I'm watching things that, um, you know, Ted Lasso and Schitt's Creek. Oh my and- God. The Good Place and Parks and Rec, all the ones that are funny, but also have like a heart to them. And so I love that Schitt's Creek sort of without overdoing it or trying too hard is extremely inclusive and sends messages of, you know, all that. And then I love a good fish out of water tale. I mean, that's like the premise for so many amazing coming to America is like, you know, the all time you just do the fish out of water premise and see where it takes you. And so a bunch of rich folks in a tiny town is where it starts. Then it becomes I mean, I really think the scene where Patrick is singing at the Rose Apothecary. Oh, my uh, God. It's the it's best probably scene. Probably my TV. favorite scene in any television show ever. And it's pretty simple, but like I've probably watched it 20 times <sighs> and I will just rewind it and start over and then just cry and watch it again. It, it's because it hits you out of left field with yep. holy shit, this is like really moving. You were expecting it to be like a comedy scene. Yeah. The setup yeah, for it is David so being mortified. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they and they really sunk into David being mortified. And then also, like, we just didn't know that Patrick was a professional. I didn't know the actor was a professional singer until I looked it up after that scene. And I also, like, they just crushed the instrumentation for that song. Like, I've never really been into Simply the Best by Tina Turner. It's a fine song. But then they rewrote it and made it acoustic like that. And now I I, I bought the song that mm-hmm. first watch, and I, Same. like, listened to it nonstop. Greg's coughing right now. So he's on. No, good job with the mute. Hey, <laughs> really that's a mute button. So um, jarring to look up at a screen, see a red mute button, and just like, I know. It's like a I man, apologize. Like, <laughs> all that stuff is supposed to happen in private, you know. Um, no, 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 I'm very proud of you. That was like a big step for you to have even hit the mute in time. Yeah, Sarah. Um, is more of a rose there? By the way, this was a haul, a big setup. Like I just, I'm wondering. Yeah. You were her for Halloween, and I'm just like, we'd love to talk to her. Well, I would be remiss not to invite her to this fat. <laughs> and if you would like to confabulate with Moira, I would love for you to appreciate the diction and the verbiage that she will bring to your confabulation and your chin wagging. <laughs> My lifelong dream, Sarah, has been for Moira Rose to say something that included my name in it. Uh, could we so more improv? Your- wow, she like to be about a show that's only been around for like three years. <laughs> I know it's amazing. Any dreams before that? No, I never had a dream until three years ago. <laughs> well, Moira is probably way too busy filming the crows have eyes for, <laughs> but if she were not and perhaps had a moment to sit with some fruit wine, she might say that she loves listening to the Greg Cody podcast. <laughs> and wow. she's hoping that your next guest might be DJ Uyunglele. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, coughing. We got him. We broke him. Oh, oh man. Sarah, thank, thank you. So I only cough when I laugh, which is trouble because I'm always laughing. <laughs> Um, you're going to be laughing right when you kick the bucket, which will be great. I really, that is, yeah. And everyone's going to think you're just laughing, but then you'll be dead. He right. is going that, out that way for sure. That, by the way, will be <laughs> the ultimate hard network out for me. 
<laughs> like, so, what's his name from uh, the Princess Bride when he's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that'll be me. That'll be me. Uh, It'll also be Iocane powder, which will be weird. <laughs> Funny, Sarah. Uh, thanks. Really appreciate it. Thank you for doing what Dan always says means something isn't funny when you just say the word funny instead of laughing. <laughs> a lot of fun. Moira Rose. You know, God, what I like. It took your set. It took 10 minutes to get to her impression. How long did it take to get did there? Did Eugene go to Second City? Oh, yeah, right. And right. was he, uh, what do you like about Shit's Creek? Oh, yeah, right. Just yeah. wanted to do You're her more right. her own. Thank you, Sarah Spain. I can't believe this is our 43rd episode and it's the first time we've had Sarah on. That's uh, that's pretty weird. Anyway, we'll have her on again because uh, really good stuff from her. Now, you didn't think you could kill Mount Gregmore, did you? <laughs> no. Shocking, we're doing it. The Mount Gregmore name game ended, but Mount Gregmore continues. And here's what's gonna happen. Christopher and I are gonna alternate weeks. One week, this week, I'm gonna pick my topic. From Mount Greg Moore the next week he is, et cetera, and so forth. Thank my you. So I so, week, so I get some creative control over this. Yes, you do. Okay. My topic this week, 1960s sitcoms. Oh my God. Okay. That's right. All right. I mean, it, it, sitcoms. I, I guess this has potential. Like, I'm not gonna judge it right away. You had to go, you you just were like, you know what? I'm not gonna like try to appeal to Chris here for this first one. I'm gonna go 60s, like as old. I'm I'm gonna just yes. slap him in the face. With old right away. Yes, exactly. You have to picture a young Greg Cody. You have to picture Greg Cody anywhere from, you know, eight years old, 11 years old, banging around West Hollywood, Florida on a rock pebble driveway. This is what I was digging on TV. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. Mount Gregmore, honorable mention. This show lasted exactly one season, 1965 only. And the reason it only lasted one season is explained in this motto for the show. A man finds his mother reincarnated as the family car. That's right. The show was called My Mother the Car. <laughs> That's good. Did you like have did you did you just like Google shows from the 60s and found about it, or do you actually like have like remember this show? I actually remember that show. Oh my god, it starred awesome. on it starred Dick Van Dyke's uh lesser known brother jerry van dyke rick van dyke yeah well, it was jerry but at any rate all right number five sorry i had to leave you off green acres mr ed and all the rest but number five did you just like admit that two shows that you didn't put in the rankings yeah why'd you, you do know, that i do that because i wanted to shout green acres is the place to be man Fort living is the life for me that was an important show to me, but it didn't quite make the Mount Gregmore. Nice. But I wanted to give it a shout out. Sorry, Green Acres and Mr. Red. But number five, hey, hey, you all remember Warden June Cleaver. Jerry Mathers as the beaver. Leave it to beaver. 60s show. All right. Like, I guess I'm right? going to know these shows more than I thought. I was thinking when you said 60s that I wasn't going to know any of these. Damn We're right. Off to- all right. Leave it to beaver and, and a show about a car mom. Oh, the landline's yeah. back. Yes. The landline is back in Greg's house. Right. The landline yeah. is back during Mount Gregmore. 
Okay, I don't a know who that segment was. about 60s show with a landline <laughs> ringing in it. This segment would sound good in the 90s. Wish we could have yeah. done it. All right. Number four. This guy's character began as a filling station attendant on The Andy Griffith Show. A couple of years later, he turns up as the lead character in Gomer Pyle, USMC. That's right. Love that show as a ute. Wait, wait, wait. Explain that again. Okay, the character Gomer Pyle, right? He he was a filling station jockey, like a gas station attendant oh, okay. on The Andy Griffith Show. And then they basically spun off oh my and gave God. him his own show wow. called Gomer Pyle. That'd be like if I got my own like national radio show. Yes. I'm like the gas filler of the Levitard show. Right. And you would turn up as Gomer Cody, USMC. Uh, and of course, that was played by the late, great Jim Neighbors. That's ahead who, of uh, Leave it to Beaver. See, I like what you're doing with this list so far. You're getting wacky. Thank God Thank we're you. done with the way we were doing it before. Keep going. I'm loving it. Number three. Well, come and listen to my story about a man named Jed. Poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. You all remember the Clampets? Jed, Ellie Mae, Jethro, Granny, the Beverly Hillbillies. Solid. Number two. He began the show every week by hopping over an ottoman. You thought he was going to trip over it. He didn't. He hopped over it. It's the Dick Van Dyke Show. Nice. Oh, the phone is back again. Let's do it. I don't know what's happening here. Interrupting Mount Gregmore, by the way, is <laughs> Back in my day, you can't interrupt Mount Gregmore. So basically anything oh. that Cody's doing, you don't interrupt. Zagat, right. Why don't you get rid of right. your landline? Okay. And now, number one. Hey, wait. Is that someone whistling? The show was on from 1960 to 68. 159 episodes in black and white, and then the last 90 in color. There was Don Knotts as Barney Fife, Ron Howard as Opie, we get it. Francis Bavier as Aunt B, and of course, the namesake, Andy Griffith, the Andy Griffith Show. That was the sitcom of my youth. Loved it. Still love it to this day. What? Why would you start whistling when I'm doing it? Could you not hear me doing it? Yeah, I thought I would give you some harmony. You're like, you know, like, that was good. I have to admit, that was a strong Mount Gregmore. I feel pressure now. I feel like you picked a topic that was right in your wheelhouse, which was a smart decision. I might try to go a little more random. Like the way you did it is if I came out of the gates next week with like fast food restaurants. That's like perfect. You like went to your bread and butter 60s sitcoms first week. I don't know how I'm going to play it. We'll see. This is a, this is exciting though. I like yes. the I like the randomness of it. I like the idea that you had random shit that I had never heard of in it. The random stuff that was funny though. Like a, a show about a car mom is just oh. a piece of resistance right there. Good job. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. All right, let's wrap this up. Thank you again to Sarah Spain. And uh, like all of you, uh, sure look forward to the next chapter in the Levitard Show story. And uh, thank you all, Pod family, for joining us as always. Really appreciate you listening every week. And um, join us again. Bye-bye. I actually want to add on to that. I didn't. We did a whole year in review thing last week where I, I, 
this year was crazy with like the, like the stuff that would happen with me with ESPN. Like I, the diehard fans of this show and the Levitard show, and they know who they are. I've, I've connected with a lot of them. They're a great group. And I appreciate all the listeners, but especially those diehards that really like showed support for me in a lot of different ways during that time. And I just wanted to kind of want to copy and paste what I just said onto last week's episode because it fits that episode better. But I just figured better late than never. Am I right? You're right. And well said. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.